0: Or with the music when it's in four four, you're shooting for two and four on the clap, right? If you're not very familiar with the music, listen for the snare, all right? Yeah, when you're uh, listening to your radio. So, yeah, give a little practice that week. We'll get this. Uh, anyway, that's good stuff. Thank you guys for leading us in worship this morning. Um, Let's uh, let's let me tell you where we're going to start this morning. We're going to be. I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about the the triumphs of our God. I want to talk to you this morning, or not just this morning. I want to talk to you the next several weeks about the victories of God, and specifically about the victories of the Lord Jesus, because um, it affects every day and every moment of your life. Um, um, all that the Lord's done, all that the Lord Jesus Christ has overcome. Um, The ways that he's shown himself as our great God and our great Savior um, has an impact on every moment of every every part of your life, on every circumstance that you're in. Um, God has shown himself to be victorious, and and the, the Lord Jesus Christ is as the overcomer. Let me just uh, let me give you just a few things. Um, the, the, you know, the first thing, let me just, just kind of just for a moment just kind of talk to you about the, the hugeness of God's greatness, the hugeness of his victories. Uh, imagine all the people on the earth right now who are just as sinful as you and I are, right imagine the mountain of sin that was piled up imagine the the darkness of human hearts imagine you know all of men's hearts for all of time uh, past and future you know in the future for all eternity imagine all of the 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 hugeness of the sinfulness of mankind overcome by the blood of the lord jesus christ It's it's incredible. It's an an amazing victory, isn't it, that the Lord Jesus Christ made on the cross that he took all that huge mountain of sin that no one could undo and no one could could push over, no one could, could put down, no one could erase. Jesus Christ erased for all those who had come into his kingdom by his shed blood on the cross. It's an amazing victory, and it's an amazing triumph that he made. Uh, Think about the the way that in human history about how beginning with Adam and Eve, every single person for all time, whenever they've been tempted by Satan, every single one of them lost the battle. Every single, single one of them, every single one of us has been tempted by sin, but Jesus Christ stood there after he'd fasted for 40 days, and he himself was tempted, but what happened? He did not sin. He overcame the temptation of Satan like no one else had ever done. Like all of mankind had fallen, but the Lord Jesus Christ stood because He overcame and and He showed that that uh, that He through through His Father that He was victorious. Um, imagine um, imagine for all the schemes of Satan, all the plans of Satan to to um, to just absolutely wreak havoc over the earth and to, and to establish his plans to try to try to de-glorify God. And imagine all of Satan and all of, of the devils that are under his control who try to wreak havoc in the world and all the schemes they have against man. And you know, we, we Jesus talked about Satan. Uh, the Old Testament talks about Satan, but Jesus talked about Satan and all of his schemes. Paul talks about Satan and all the schemes he has against mankind and the way that he blinds the eyes of unbeliever's so that they cannot see the glory of the cross well through the Lord Jesus Christ, God overcame all the schemes of Satan you know satan 's idea to, to mar the earth and to mar the universe really with with a, with a, with a mar of, of black and dark sin that would affect you know even the ground that would affect our all of our society and, and, and affect and, and cause disease and all of these things God has Um, put down and will ultimately put down all the schemes of Satan to wreck this world and and to wreck the human society. God has overcome it. He is and will be victorious over that. Uh, One of the maybe the the greatest things um, is that after the Lord Jesus Christ had given up his life and his body lay cold in a tomb for three days, God exerted His power and exerted his, his, uh, his magnificence, and He brought Jesus Christ back from the dead after three days, and He put down, He overcame, He triumphed over, He was victorious over even death. Yes. An amazing, victorious, great God that we worship, and a powerful Savior that we know, amen? Yes. There's a... Um, I imagine, and I think about that. You know, I think about um, what it must have been like sometimes, um, whenever, whenever Jesus Christ was there, and he was being accused of all these things by, by um, really the hatred of the uh, of the people in power in Jerusalem in his day, and. Um, and the hatred that they had for him—it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't that just that the, that he was a bother to him? They hated Jesus for what he represented, and they hated him for what you know fear they had, and that he might take away some of their followers and take away uh, some of the uh, some of the power and authority that they that they brandished, and and they hated him for it, and so much that they plotted. These holy men plotted to have him killed to have him murdered, right? And they took him from false trial to false trial until the time that they got the result that they wanted, to have him crucified. And they even uh, stirred up a mob, stirred up a crowd, until the crowd even was starting to say with him, crucify him, and all the hatred and all the anger, all the misplaced anger that was poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet in love, God overcame man's hatred. Uh, it's an incredible story. Uh, we have an incredible, amazing, victorious God. Amen? He, he triumphs in everything that he does. He's never known defeat. At every moment, at every turn... He wins, right? In every moment, he wins, and he's victorious in all that he does and in all that, that he attempts. It's really an incredible thing to think that all that he's done. But listen, here, here's, the, here's the end of the matter. Sometimes, sometimes we feel so defeated by the things that are going in our lives. Maybe it's because of our own sin that we feel that are in ourselves that we're that that um, that that, that um, we're not worthy. Maybe it's in our own lives that are, you know our children struggle or our parents struggle or we're struggling in our relationships and we go feeling all this defeat. But listen, you tell me, which of those successes, which of those victories of the Lord God doesn't affect you in your life? Listen, everyone does. Every victory that the Lord God brought, all the way from the time of the Old Testament Israelites, all the time that, they, that he would call them as his people, every victory he won, he won for his people. Amen? Are you with me? You follow me? So even so, even if you, you think about the Israelites and how they'd gone into Israel, or how they'd gone in, down to Egypt, and after a time period we don't know why or how, but they became slaves to the Egyptians. And the Lord God said, "I'm going to demonstrate my power to the Egyptians, and I'm going to free you. I'm going to call you up out of slavery." And these are all things that He was telling Moses about what He was going to do. Right? He said, "I'm going to call them up, but I'm going to demonstrate my power." And He did that through what? to Egypt. That's okay. I, I, I've talked too much already, haven't I? He did that through, through, the, uh, through his power expressed through the plagues that he poured down on Egypt, showing his judgment on the Egyptians for putting his people in bondage, right? Uh, representative for what he was going to do with you and I later, amen? Uh, by freeing us from slavery uh, and bondage to sin. Uh, but, but he did that, and he demonstrated his power for what effect? That his people might see his victory. And they could walk out of Egypt, right? They walked out of Egypt like they had spoiled, like they won some military victory because when they left, the Egyptians were so eager to see him leave. They said, here, take our gold here, take our goods, just get out. And it was like they had won a victory themselves, but it was God who had won the victory. Amen. They just left with a plunder and they walked out of there that day with a plunder of Egypt and the freedom that God had brought them in his great victory. And he did it for them that they might recognize him for the glorious God that he is and give him the glory that he deserves. Listen, when God acts in victory, when God acts in triumph, when God shows his greatness, he does it on account of his people so that they might see his greatness and, listen, and believe in him. Amen? Amen? All right, so that's, that's kind of big picture about what I want to say, but, but maybe the, the, on the first slide here we go, Tim, is that God demonstrates his greatness in the lives of his people. Listen, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, you see God doing amazing, powerful, glorious things. He's doing it on account of his people. He's moving on their behalf. He's doing things that they might might, um, receive, all that he's doing. And God's triumphs impacts the lives of his people, and it happens every day. Uh, So here's the connection I want you to make over the next few weeks, is that God is victorious in everything that he's done. And God's victories have an impact in my life every day. Every moment of every day, even every circumstance that I face, every single circumstance I face, God's victory still means something. It still has an impact on me. Amen? Every, every moment, every day, uh, every, everything that we do, uh, God's greatness still matters um, and, and changes my circumstances. It's, it's, really, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? But... Um, Let's go and bring up that next slide here is that there is no moment or circumstance of my life that is not impacted by God's greatness and the victories, victorious work of Jesus Christ. There is no moment or circumstance of my life that is not impacted by God's greatness and the victorious work of Jesus Christ. That's a really long sentence. I apologize for that. But it's really good, isn't it? Uh, What does it say? Basically what it says is that it doesn't matter if I'm having a really great day. God's victories, his greatness matter. Right? It means something. You know, it means that, that I'm having, because I'm having a great day, I, can, I recognize that this is God. This is God's goodness towards me. This is a blessing toward Him. But also in the times that I walk in struggles, His victories still matter. Let me give you a couple of examples. You and I have been in places, and maybe you're in a place right now where things are difficult financially. Don't raise your hand. If things are in difficult situations right now, if you're having difficulty in your finances right now, let me tell you this. The, the times in the scriptures where God says, I will provide for you matter. The, the times that you can see in the, in the scriptures where, where Jesus says, uh, he says, when you pray, you know, pray this way and pray these things. And he says, your father knows your needs. See, so the greatness of God matters at that time when you're financially struggling, right? Because God in his greatness knows all about what's going on in your life. God in his greatness cares about what's going on in your life. And God in his great promises has, has promised that I will take care of you. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear because your Father in heaven, what does what He say? It takes care of the sparrows. He will certainly take care of you. Amen. God and his greatness matters at that time when you and I are faced with financial difficulty. It, it gives us surety. It gives us confidence in that time that, you know, it doesn't matter uh, so much what I've got in my bank account. It's, I've got a great God who's going to see me through this time. All I've got to do is walk in confidence and faith and obedience, and somehow, some way, he's going to help me get through this time in my finances. God's victory matters. His greatness matters in that time, doesn't it? How about in times when you're walking in difficulty with your marriage? Um, this is, well, this is, um, this has been so true in our lives. Um, when, when the apostle Paul wrote and you know what, I'm going too far for all this. Um, let me just give, let me just give you this much. When I see the love of Christ demonstrated for his church and then the apostle Paul says, men, treat your life, treat your wife like the like Jesus Christ taught. Um, Let me, um, let me try that. Let me start all over again. Can we back that up five minutes there? Okay. Uh, so the way that Jesus Christ treated his church, he gave his life. He laid his life down for her. And the Apostle Paul says, men, treat your wives like Christ taught. Uh, what's the word? Like Christ did for the church. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't say it. I'm to, it's totally lost me. I thought I'd learn this. Let's see. Go refresh on. Yeah. As Christ loves the church, yes, yes, so men, you should love your wives. Yeah. thank you for making it simple for me, Jamie. Right, so, so, so the greatness of Christ's love has an impact on my marriage. Are you with me? The greatness and the victory of God to, to overshadow all my sin, to overshadow all the hatred and all the, the rebelliousness in my heart makes a difference in my marriage because I see how I didn't deserve his love, but he sacrificed himself for me anyway. And he says, men... Do likewise for your wives. It matters right? The greatness of God matters. And in every moment, every circumstance that you find yourself in, the victories of God, the greatness of God matters in every aspect of your life. When you get up tomorrow morning, the, the greatness and the victories of God are as, as important as anything else you're going to do or say in the day, you know? It, it's more important than that first cup of coffee. You know, being and dwelling, and this is why, one of the reasons why it's so important to be in the Word every day, because listen, I'm surrounded by the failures of myself and the failures of mankind Around me every day, right? It's twenty-four-seven, isn't it? You know, you turn on the news; it's the sinfulness and the hatred of men, right? You, 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 uh, you go to work and you see people treated unfairly or unjustly. It happens all the time. It happens everywhere, isn't it? And you see all the failings, failures, and the failings of mankind. But in the Scriptures, I read about the victory, and the supremacy, and the greatness of my God. And that matters to me because God did those things for your behalf and my behalf as his people. Amen? Amen? These two things are linked so importantly. It's incredible. I wanted to read you a story this morning. It's an account, really. I shouldn't say story. Mrs. Branch taught me that. But uh, um, in, 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 uh, in, uh, about the, the, the life of, uh, of Peter. So if you have your Bibles with you in, in uh, John chapter 13... I want to read this to you, read you this story, this account of what happens at the end of uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus' life prior to his resurrection and his relationship with, uh, with Peter. Um, and because here's where I want to get to is, that, is this. Even in our failures, the victory of Jesus and the greatness of God is seen. Even, even when we fail miserably, even when we sin, the greatness of God, and the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ matter and have something to say to us there in that moment. So um, here's what's happening. In John 13, starts the Last Supper, the Last Supper Discord, or the Upper Room Discord, this is called. Um, And uh, and so we have this this account of the the disciples there together with Jesus in the Upper Room as they celebrate uh, the Last Supper together. And uh, beginning in, uh, in, in John chapter 13, read with me in verse 36. We're just going to read a snippet of this and, and, and some of the others. Apolog- I apologize for uh, kind of jumping around a little bit this morning, but I wanted to show you this. So here they are all gathered together and and Jesus is telling them that he's going away and his heart's troubled for them because he knows this, what what's, this is going to do to them. He knows that they're going to face some disarray. They're going to be confused. They're, not going to, you know, they're going to think that he died and it was a loss and not a victory, right? They're going to be very confused about what's going on. And so he tells them they're leaving. And so in verse 36 of chapter, John chapter 13, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going. You cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I, listen to what he says, you ready? I will lay down my life for you. How about that? Peter, very well known in the Gospels for being quick to speak, right? Yeah, so Peter, before thinking, right, says, I'll follow you to the death, right? I'll lay down my life for you. I'll follow you to the very end. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? There he goes. I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me. Three times. All right. So here Jesus is predicting what? Peter's failure. Jesus is saying, is it, you, not only are you not going to lay down your life for me, you're going to disown me three times before the rooster crows. All right. Now let's back up. One of the things that's not captured in, in, uh, in John's gospel but is captured in Luke's, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but in Luke chapter 22, it says something a little, it gives us a little more background um, about this failure of, this coming failure of, uh, of the apostle Peter. Look with me if you have your Bible, if you want to look there, uh, Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 31. It gives us a little more detail on what was said to Peter that night. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you As wheat, what do you suppose that means? Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Satan has come to God and he's asked for permission to test Saint Peter to test Peter, right? So he's asked for permission to test Peter. All right. Now, just being me, if if I was Peter at that moment, I'd have said, "Well, you told him no, didn't you? Right? No, you told him no. Don't don't test me, right? I I don't want to be tested. I don't want to be sifted as wheat." Uh, right, the idea there is to be spread out, to be spread thin, to be looking for things, impurities in the wheat, to be looking for rocks in the midst of the corns and whatnot, or, or in the midst of the kernels, I should say, uh, to be spread and to be sifted. Like wheat. Um, I heard Pastor Ron Witt, that was here several years ago, uh, to preach about this. He said, he said this. He said, I love it. He said, um, it was as though um, uh, Satan had gone to uh, to God and, and asked for permission to clean Peter's clock. I think that's probably pretty appropriate to clean his clock, and uh, that's what's going to happen. Happen here he's going to uh, he's going to give into some fear here that's coming. But anyway, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat. Now listen to what he says. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And listen to this. And when you have what turned back, strengthen your brothers. And then this is when he says when he captures when he kind of catches up with John's. Uh, John's account, but he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison and death. He answered, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me th- you will deny three times that you know me. Okay, but going back to verse 32, I want you to notice a couple of things. First one is this, is that the Lord Jesus Christ did what? Prayed for Peter pray for me. I think that's fascinating. You remember the first song that uh, Jonathan and Jessica sang this the, this morning was Before the Throne of God Above. It goes the song goes if I can re- remember this off the top of my head, Before the Throne of God Above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love stands whoever who lives and pleads for me. This is talking about this idea that we see in the New Testament a couple of times, once in Hebrews but also one time in Romans, where we see that Jesus Christ Right now, today is interceding on behalf of his people. Look with me, just real quick, over in in Romans chapter eight. I'll show you this real quick. Romans chapter eight. This is good news for you and me. Telling you, you're going to want to you're going to want to see this and mark this in your Bible. Romans chapter eight. Look with me in verse uh, 33 and 34. Verses 33 and 34. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen, or against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at listen, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. So here we have in heaven, God, and between us and God, Jesus Christ still to this day, right now at this moment, is interceding for you and I. In other words, he's pleading our case before the Father. And what do you think he's saying? Yes, I I know that they've sinned. Yes, I know that, that, that they did not meet the requirements of the law. I know, and yet, but I have on their behalf I have overcome, and I have won victory for them. I have, I have met the requirements of the law on their behalf, and so they are free. They are not guilty, but they are righteous. How about that? Before the throne of God. And, I, and we have the Lord Jesus Christ who today, for you, in the presence of God, is pleading your case and say, they're not guilty because I've taken on their sin. Thank God I've got an intercessor. Amen. Thank God I've got someone. Thank God I've got the Lord Jesus Christ who stands before God and is pleading my case all the time saying he's not guilty. He's righteous because of what I did, because he's come to faith in the righteousness that I poured out and the sacrifice that I poured out and my blood and my body was broken for him. And so for me, the Lord Jesus Christ is interceding for my behalf even this morning and interceding on your behalf even this morning, pleading your case before this Father saying they're not guilty. They're innocent. They're righteous. They're more than innocent, right? They're righteous before you. They're holy before you, God, because my life is imputed. My perfect holy life is imputed upon them. And so when the Lord looks upon our guilt, he says, the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and our guilt has all been taken away. Hallelujah. Raise your hands and dance around the room. This is good news, right? Yeah, I know. I know we're a little more uptight than that. Um, but uh, but this, is incredible. this is incredible for us. This is incredible news for us. It's, he has set us free from the bondage that we're in. He's set us free and given us, given us freedom. Um, so anyway, so here is the Lord Jesus Christ in, in Luke chapter 22, interceding, as it were, for Peter. But one of the things I want you to notice is that what, what Jesus says, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And listen to what he says. And when you have what? <clears throat> Turn back. Is Peter going to fail? He is, isn't he? He's going to blow it. I mean, this guy was so quick to say, I'll go to the grave for you. I'll I'll, I'll lay my life down for you. I'm not leaving you. I'm going to be there with you. is going to fail big time, isn't he? And very publicly, unfortunately. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing stuff. He's going to fail. But listen, he says, when you turn back, strengthen your Brothers, that's important. That's going to come into effect here whenever we uh, continue reading. Um, but um, he says, When you turn back, so here we go. Somehow, listen to me, this is important. Somehow, in the plan of God, somehow, in the plan that the Lord Jesus Christ gives a little bit of the, of the future of what Peter's future was going to look like. First of all, he, he's prayed for him to return, but he's going to fail. But when he does, when he comes back, when he returns, he says, He gives him a command strengthen your brothers. Now, notice. This is fascinating to me, and we could spend a whole lot of time on this verse, but notice what he doesn't say. Don't you mess up, Peter. Don't you mess up. Don't you do it. Don't you sin. Not even once. Don't you fail, Peter. Does he say that? Listen, here's the great news for all of us. Somehow, in the sovereignty of God, he has your successes and your failures already accounted for. You know what I'm saying? Somehow, his plans are not thwarted when we sin. Somehow, somehow, the, his plan for your life is not completely undone when you surprise him and sin and fail. True? Somehow he's accounted for it all. Well, listen, that goes back to the, our very first, very beginning idea is, is that this. Every single sin that we've made in the past and in the future was laid upon the back of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he bore the guilt for you for every single sin. Every single failure was taken care of, and that's why Paul could wrote right in Romans chapter eight, chapter eight, verse one. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. There's none left. <clears throat> somehow somehow God's plan for even his apostles. This is the great, you know, this is the Saint Peter. This is the one, right, we all talk about being at the pearly gates and all those jokes, right? This is the guy. And and Jesus Christ had accounted for his failure. And he said, when you return, this is important, and this is important for all of us. You're going to sin. You're going to fail. But when you return, Get on with the work. Get on with obedience. Get on with the calling of God. You're not going to do this. You're not going to run this race perfectly. You're going to fall down. You're going to trip up. But the most important thing that you and I can do is have faith in God that somehow he's accounted for this sin too. He's accounted for this failure too in this journey of following him that somehow he's accounted for even our failures. And what does he say to Peter is the same thing he says to you and I this morning. If you're feeling like you're in some place that you can't get out of, that you just keep failing, that you just keep messing up, what he would say to you and what he would say to me this morning I think is the same thing he said to Peter is, when you get back up, when you turn back, keep on. You you keep following me. You keep coming after me. You keep after the the calling that I've placed on your life because there are no failures in the kingdom of God. Amen? Somehow the righteousness of God and his victory overcomes it all. You remember how I started this morning is that he's overcome every sin, the mountain of sin, the mountain of hatred, the mountain of failures. He's overcome everyone. And so the worst failure we can have is to not believe him. You with me? The worst failure you can have is say, yeah, Lord, that applies to someone else, but it doesn't apply to me. I've sinned and I've failed, and so I'm on the sidelines. I'm taking myself out of the game. Not true. He's accounted for your failures. Every one. Past and future. Amen? All right, let's read. Let's continue to read now. In, in uh, Let's follow Peter's story. Now, back in John chapter um, 18, and we're going to read verses 25 through 27 that talks about... The, um, Talks about uh, Peter's failure. <clears throat> so the night wears on. You know they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, P, uh, Jesus there is arrested. We know Peter takes a sword and whacks a guy. That's kind of cool. And uh, and and they go on and um, and they go from mock trial to mock trial that night. And and Peter is following in a, in a distance. Um, pretty incredible stuff. He's following at a distance. Um, <clears throat> And there are people bringing false accusations against his savior that he's been following for the last three years. And let's see what he does. As Simon Peter stood, what, warming himself? That's quite a contrast, isn't it? Here, the Lord Jesus Christ was being beaten. Here, his uh, his uh, uh, the, the the rabbi that he'd been following. You know, the uh, the teacher that he'd been following for three years is putting through, um, been put through. Um, 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 mock trial, the mock trial, and Peter's over by the fire getting himself toasty warm. You know, this is one of the reasons I know the Bible's true. If you're going to write something fake, would you put something like this? Would you allow one of your buddies to put something like this about your life in there? I wouldn't, right? Jesus Christ is exalted and man are shown to be, you know, who we are. He was, he, and he was asked, you are one of his disciples, are you? I'm sorry, "Are you are not one of his disciples, are you? Verse 26, he, What? denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, also very cool, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter, what? And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. So here the Lord Jesus Christ is standing uh, trial from one person to another person and people are bringing false accusations against him. you remember they're saying things like oh he said he's going to tear the temple down oh they, you know he, he claims to be to forgive sins he claims to be god all these other things and there's no one there to speak on his behalf and there's peter Right, The leader of the apostles. There's Peter, the, 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 the first one out of the block, you know, the first one to speak, the first one to act, the same one who had that great victory of, of being the first one to step out of the boat, the guy that said, Lord, command me, and I'll come to you, and he stepped out of the boat, you remember, in great faith. And here, though, he said, I don't even know the guy. Don't even know him. While Jesus Christ was facing his death. That's a failure, isn't it? That's pretty big, isn't it? That's pretty big, but listen. In the accounting of God, amazingly, incredibly, God allowed for this time. He allowed for this failure, and listen, He allows for our failures. Not that that's our goal. Not that we want to sin. Not that we desire it. We want to walk in obedience, but. Somehow in our sinful nature, we can't carry it off. We can't do it all the time, right? We, we can't carry it off. We can't make ourselves be, you know, be somehow incredibly obedient. We all have failures in our lives. We all have failed relationships. We all have fails in our sins. We all, we all you know, struggle in a consistent prayer life. We struggle to be in the Word every day. We struggle in virtually every area of our Christianity. And not one of those things disqualifies you. From working and ministering into the kingdom of God, now one of those things disqualify you from this journey of Christianity in your life. Amen? OK. So let's turn to the end in uh, John chapter 21. And let's look this is um, in many, many Bibles, this is uh, the um, subtitle here is uh, "Jesus reinstates Peter." It's pretty brilliant. So how many times did, uh, did, did uh, Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Then listen to what happens in john chapter twenty one beginning in verse fifteen when they had finished so here i 'm sorry, so lots happened in this time period between uh, eighteen and nineteen twenty um, uh, Jesus is crucified, and after three days, his cold body was breathed into life again, and he was resurrected, and he appeared again to his disciples um, and uh, here um, here in in uh, chapter twenty one um, they eat together or they have a fish fry really. Honestly, and they, uh, verse 21, or chapter 21, verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, What? Feed my sheep. All right. How many times did Jesus deny how how many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many opportunities did Jesus give Peter to tell him that he loved him? Three times. Right, this is this was not by accident. He denied him three times, and now three times Jesus gives him the opportunity to tell him that he loved him tell him that I love. Him. Now listen, here's the here's the incredible thing. He didn't go back and say, you know, what you did wasn't that bad. Oh, it wasn't that terrible. No, but he's given him the opportunity to, to come back, to, to, make that, to, to make that turn, to come back to following him and for his faith ultimately not to fail. Listen, I, I think there's some important distinctions in the Scriptures. There is in the Scriptures what's described as a failure of faith where someone ultimately stops following the Lord Jesus Christ and stops following in the way of Christianity and, and, then, and they just stop and they never return to it, right? Uh, that's a failure of faith. But what all the rest of us have every day is our, our sins and failures that we have. But it doesn't mean that we've lost a face, right? Just because I've sinned doesn't mean I've lost my salvation, right? That's true. That's what we believe is, as a good Southern Baptist, right? Uh, just because you've sinned doesn't mean that, that, that you've lost your salvation. But the moment, I mean, the, but the time that after a period of time that I've just walked away from the Lord, and never came back, right? That is a failure of faith, and that's what we all need to be watching out for each other. And that's the reason that the Lord Jesus prayed for him, that when he returned, right, that he would, that he would return and that his faith would not fail. So, yes, he had a failure, but his faith um, would not fail. But here, let me, uh, but let me, let me uh, give you a couple things. One is this, is that so Peter failed, right? Peter had a, a, a crisis, you know, of faith where he had the opportunity to speak up on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, but instead he denied even knowing him. And the Lord Jesus Christ came back and allowed him to tell him that he loved him three times. Here's the great thing. Here's the amazing thing. Even in your failure, God has plans for victory and, and his greatness to be shown. How is that? Because Peter had the opportunity to come back to the Lord Jesus Christ and to three times tell him that he loved him and to come back to him and, and restore that relationship so that Peter could get on with leading this uh, group of apostles and, and this group of disciples uh, that was so desperately needed. Let me, so let's bring up that last slide there, Tim. So here's this. God never permits his people to fall into any sin, but that he intends as an inlet to further grace. Listen. Listen. Let me tell you a couple of different ways that, that, that you and I react to sin. And let me tell you the wrong way and the right way. One way is, is that we, we fall into sin and, we, and we, um, uh, we, we feel ashamed and we feel guilty and we feel badly about it. And we keep ourselves away from God, feeling like if we can beat ourselves up enough, that if we make ourselves feel bad enough, it's like penance. Listen, that's self-righteousness. That, that's not what God intends. Amen? Amen. What God intends is, and let me ask you just for a moment to close your eyes, close your eyes with me for just a moment, and let me, let me help you with this. Whenever we sin, what he intends is for us to remember the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and to see him carrying that thing to Calvary. And I want you to recognize that every sin that you've committed up to this day and every sin that you're going to commit for the rest of your life is being carried by the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone has been laid upon his back. And where is he going with it? He's taken it to the grave with him. Every single sin. When you and I come to the point that we can see our sins laid upon the back of the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing that he's going to put an end to them all on Calvary in that day, it changes things for us, doesn't it? It makes me recognize is that Jesus Christ's victory over my sin matters. It means something. Even in my failures, I can see that the Lord Jesus Christ was victorious, and his victory was over even this sin. Amen? Amen? even over this sin. Listen, I want to encourage you, if you've gotten to the point where you feel guilt or you feel shame because of the struggle, your continued struggle with sin, I want to encourage you to see, to ask the Lord to help you see that sin being carried on Jesus' back on the cross uh, to his death, that it would be put away forever. Because listen, we all know this, Jesus was victorious over sin. Amen? Even yours Even that thing that you struggle with, even that thing that you struggle with, even the thing that you're finding, listen, that you're having trouble forgiving yourself for today, the Lord Jesus Christ has already offered your forgiveness. And here's what he asks, accept it. Take it Uh, by faith. Take it up and say, Lord, I believe that you died for that sin. I take by faith that 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 sin has been done away with and I don't have to carry the guilt and I don't have to carry the shame anymore because you have taken it away because I believe in what your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has done. I believe by faith that what he's done has taken away this thing that I'm so horrified about that I keep struggling with or that I've done in the past. Lord, you forgive me and I'm going to take it by faith that you have. Those are two way different ways to deal with sin. One that is honoring God and making very much of the victory that the Lord Jesus Christ has given us, and the other one says the victory that the Lord Jesus Christ has done doesn't apply to me. Listen, the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ matters. Even in your failures, maybe especially in your failures, the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ over your sin, it means something. It has an impact in your life every moment, every circumstance, and every day. Amen. We worship a great and a glorious God and one who has found a way um, who's found a way to deal with um, our successes and our failures as well so that we might follow him and fall more and more in love with him. What does it do for you? What does it do for you when you recognize that your, your most regretful moment in your life or the sin that you struggle with from day to day, even today, what does it do for you to recognize that the Lord Jesus Christ bore that on his back for you? And my love for him just gets huge. It just just warms my heart towards him. It just makes me love him more because that thing that I needed most, that thing that I regret the most in my life, he's taken away. Thank God. Amen. Let's pray and we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we do thank you for your great grace. We thank you for the great victory that you have over our sins. We thank you, Lord, that even in our sin, um, that your victories matter. We thank you that even in our failures, your, your greatness is the greatness of our great God. It, it matters. It, it means something. And Lord, we thank you that we can lay all of our sin and shame and guilt down at the cross because you took it away there that day on Calvary. And I pray by faith that we would stop beating ourselves up about something that you've already taken care of. Help us to get on, Lord, with being obedient to your calling of walking in freedom and enjoying our relationship with you. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great week. Thanks for being here Uh, tonight at 5 o'clock at uh, Connor Park for the church picnic. Bring your lawn chairs, sides, drinks if you'd like. We'll see you then. Love you guys.